So April 16th, and remind us what year this was? 2012. Yep. So the part in here that I thought was notable is I said I have got to try this for two months. I have a hard time believing that it will change anything, but I have to try so that I can feel at peace about this and so that I won't always wonder what could have been. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. All right, so I heard from two people this week, both of which heard us on Richard's podcast, Richard Osler's podcast, Listen and Love. Listen and Love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sick. Sorry, going to bumble a little. Listen, Learn, and Love. He's, and on, he's on antibiotics. I am on antibiotics. Finally. Finally. So hopefully next time we record, I won't sound like this. But two people that reached out and just said, hey, I heard your episode of Listen, Learn, and Love podcast. I can so relate to what you have been through on so many levels. I was in the church. I had a family. I had a marriage. I am navigating the transition out of all of that. And it's been so good to hear your story. So that's been awesome to hear. I had a couple people reach out to me too, which has been nice. Yeah. I like it. It's always good to get the feedback and to know that by sharing, we're helping other people that there's, I mean, we've been through a lot and we've grown and seen how that's helped us, but it's nice to know that now we can even take that a step further to help other people. It just gives more purpose to it all. That's why we're doing this. Yep. To try and help people navigate their own difficult scenarios in life. Yeah. So, well, nobody reached out to me. (laughs) And I'm totally fine with that. Check your social media sometimes. Actually, that's probably true. <laughs> In fact, what was it? Just half hour ago, Jessica, I was looking at Facebook. I don't. I rarely look at Facebook, and I had it open. And she's like, "You have forty-four unread messages, notifications. Forty-four people reached out to you, Matt. Yeah, and so, you left them all hanging. Sorry, <laughs> I'll be better. Contact Matt via Instagram if you are going to contact him. <laughs> true." So last time where we left off was we said we were going to pull up our journals, Jessica and I, <laughs> and read through this time frame of our, like, dating, again. dating the six months of dating post-divorce. It didn't last six months, did it? It was like Let's check April, our journals and see. <laughs> April, May, June, July. Did you read all August. the way through it? Yes. August is when it officially ended. Yes. I so don't it was have like a, roughly five months. I don't months. have a specific date, but... And see, I just got Which like... that makes sense because like the summertime, that's when we did the most mountain bike. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You should check your journal, Matt. Yeah, that's just Facebook okay. pictures. So August 18th, it says I went out with somebody else. I have that. So. Well, this is, I, I have that entry too of when you went out with somebody else. <laughs> so here, here, was my, here was my thought, Jessica. So I've been reading through this for the last two hours. I just read this whole journal and oh my gosh. It was emotional as heck. And I had forgotten how 
so many details of that time frame. Much of it because it was just so dark and like so many details that were just painful or shameful that I just didn't want to remember, obviously. So it was really enlightening to go back and reread this and take a fresh look at it. But my idea was I was thinking we should read through chronologically and you talk about your journal entry from that time frame and I'll talk about mine. I'm sure we have a lot of journal entries about the same experiences or corresponding or parallel at least. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't know how much of your entries you want to share, but I've marked all of the ones that I want to share. It's funny because I don't put a lot of detail in my journaling about what's actually going on in my life. I do during this time frame more than others, but it's more like thoughts and feelings that I have in my studying that I do around that time. Okay. But which I didn't dive into a lot of that, but there's quite a bit here that's pretty interesting. I was telling Matt stuff last night and yeah, no, but we can go through it. Okay. Let's just see where this goes. So my birthday is March 27th and that's what you're saying. It was right around my birthday. And <laughs> I have, well, March 25th, it says sitting here in sacrament meeting, which is church meeting next to Jared feeling confused as ever. And then March 28th, I'm at the airport waiting to get on a plane to Oklahoma City to drive back to Boise with Steve. So what ward were you in? So we were in the ward. Penny and I were in Hillside Ward. So not the ward that I met you in. Got it. Or that like you became a part of. But I moved into 13th Ward, which is the ward that you were in that. Got it. Okay. We all did. Oh, but you moved in after I did. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, Steve and I had I been moved in... moved in after you did? Right? Yeah. We moved okay. in all around pretty close the same time. But, oh yeah, you moved in after, Matt, because Steve was there quite a while before I moved into it. And I have a journal entry about when you moved into it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Because I moved in probably about six months before I started dating the other... Jessica. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, maybe we were in there at that time then. Maybe we were just way but too in our own world. I was moving in, at least I moved to Boise end of March. Yeah, and moved into that ward. Yeah. Into that church congregation. Anyways. Well, my first entry is April 16. Do you have anything prior to that? Yeah. That you want oh, to share? Yeah. No. We covered a lot of that in the last episode. I mean, April 3rd, I have We Made It to Boise. We had stopped in Colorado and seen a bunch of our friends on the way home, which I felt like was pretty ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Like, well, I mean, I, I feel like that must have been a lot for you. Like it here was. I had been, I stopped there on my way home from Oklahoma. leaving Steve yeah. from Oklahoma. And now here we are driving back together. Kudos to our friends, man, in Colorado for just being like rolling with the punches, man. <laughs> we don't know what the heck's going I on. I remember but... that that happened. I really don't strongly remember like i remember being terrified and mortified at having to face these people like feeling like this tiny of a person for where i had been for the last six to eight months or whatever it was yeah but i'd forgotten that we had even done that until you brought it up in some episode so crazy yeah that is crazy yeah see i wish i journaled more because i would love to know like how I felt about that that night. Yeah. I remember how mortified I felt going into it, but I don't remember what the actual experience was like. Yeah, and then I have like April 5th. Steve found an apartment yesterday. It's so weird to think he won't be living here with me. I can't believe we'll be living in the same town, but in separate places. 
and just stuff like that. But that I continue on to say that I'm happy that you're here. And I asked you, I guess, this is kind of interesting, some of this stuff in here. I asked him the other day what he would do if I told him I was done and that I didn't think I could do it. And you told me, Steve said he would fight harder and try harder and that he wouldn't give up on me. And I was like, that's funny. Like, it's just crazy. I mean, this is literally a roller coaster from I, like. I didn't realize how, how much it was. Over. How back and forth we are. Like my journal uh, entries from one day to the next, it's I'm feeling so good today, <laughs> so positive. And the next day I'm just like, I can't do this. Yep. I can't function. I can't go on. So last night as Jessica was reading some of her journal entries, she shared with me like, listen to this. One day, these are two days back to back. One day Steve's, oh, Steve had an awesome day. Next day, Steve had a crappy day. I, I have some that are like, woke up feeling great. And I yeah. put the time. I always write the time of when I'm writing. So it's like, woke up feeling great this morning at 9 a.m. 11.30, sitting in sacrament meeting right now. Don't know how I'm ever going to go forward, like move on. <laughs> Just Yeah. It was just all over the board. So the common theme right now that I'm hearing is you both wish you journaled a little bit more. I mean, there's quite a bit in here. And I've got a lot. I mean, did you see all these sticky notes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have lots of sticky notes I mean, throughout sure my journal we, now. I could have put more detail in here, but honestly, yeah. I have a tendency <laughs> to journal when things are not great. Yeah, me not too. not journal when things are great. Me, I'm similar. Yeah, which is why I have so many more entries from this incredibly dark time frame than I do from many of the other things are good. Times. Yeah, all right, but yeah, let's do it. Let's keep sharing. So, what do you have leading up to April sixteen? What else do you want to share? I mean, like <laughs> you would think at this point I would be used to the range of emotions you can experience in one day, or even in a matter of hours, like exactly like we're talking about. But it still takes me by surprise. I've missed Jared a lot today. Steve asked me what I missed. Like we talked openly about the fact that I was like torn. Missing your ex. Yeah. And I'm sure likewise with you and Sebastian. Like and we, we did talk both at this too. point felt pretty torn. And I remember. I asked you what you missed. What did you say? I missed knowing that he wanted me. And I think that's the one thing that I could feel so strongly in you and I dating again is that there was like this, like you weren't attracted to me the same way as you had been before you and Sebastian hooked up. And that was really hard for me to figure out because before there wasn't that issue. And that's the thing that I say in here that I missed. I think it's funny the way you use hook up. <laughs> but what she means is before Sebastian and I entered into a relationship. <laughs> yes, we hooked up, but then we also entered into a relationship. Yeah, and but that's at what the Jessica same time, <laughs> like when you hooked up with him during our marriage, uh -huh. that was a hookup. Yeah. That was an affair. Yeah, but that's not what you were referring to just now. But at the same time, before that moment, you were attracted to me. Like we had a good physical relationship. Is that true, Steve? Let me share with you my journal entries and you'll find out. <laughs> and then that was really hard for me. Look at all these sticky notes. <laughs> really hard. These are all the answers to your questions, Matt. <laughs> really hard yes. for me to realize that that was gone. I think I thought when you came back to Boise that some of that might come back and it didn't. Yeah. And that was okay. It was something we needed to realize to and deal a with. Point. Yeah. It wasn't okay and for us to be able to make things work again. But it was something we had to really realize, like, oh, this is not really coming back. Yeah. 
And I write that I hated that I had to question who I wanted to be with at this point, because before there had never been a question in my mind. Like There had only been me. Yeah. So just things like that. And that was the same for me. I very much yeah. was feeling conflicted about that, too. So up till that point, I don't know. So what do you have? What's the first thing? The first thing that's notable in here is April 16 at 1230. I did a lot of my journaling at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so April 16th and remind us what year this was 2012 yep so the part in here that I thought was notable is I said I have got to try this for two months I have a hard time believing that it will change anything but I have to try so that I can feel at peace about this and so that I won't always wonder what could have been then it jumps to April 22nd I have in here that you kissed me, (laughs) which is funny. I didn't read that the other day. Let's hear it. I said, Steve kissed me last night, like really kissed me. It was so nice. It was like you really liked me and wanted to be with me. April 16th, 2012. That's actually April 17th. But yeah. April 22nd, unless you have more. Keep going. I am so conflicted. I'm still feeling such a pull to live a gay lifestyle. I had a date last night with Jessica, dinner and a movie downtown. It was such a fun day. We also ran Roby Creek, which is a half marathon, in the afternoon. We did well. We both beat our previous times, and I met my goal of doing it in under two hours. It was a fun day together, doing things we both enjoy. But even at the end of a great day like that, I still felt very lonely and longed for a man to hold me in his arms. I miss Sebastian. I still love him. It would be incredible to have him living here, but I can't let myself think about that. But controlling my thoughts has never been something I was very good at. (laughs) Jess and I are meeting with the bishop today. I met with him last week, and he told me to take this week to make a decision. I keep thinking about what he said. He would be better off leaving all of it now than leaving it all in five years. I think I could do this for a while, but I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. He has also encouraged me to think logically about it. There's a spiritual, emotional, and physical side to all of this. But logically, staying with Jessica and the church would be the best. And then I make a list of all the logical reasons to stay with you and the church and the logical reasons to leave. So kind of a pros and cons. The pro that stood out to me is that Jessica both loves me and likes me. (laughs) (laughs) And the con is that Jessica will be better off with Jared than with me. I didn't remember thinking that, but clearly I did since I wrote that. And then I made a list of what I'm grateful for. The last three on the list is that Penny is happy, that I'm not feeling suicidal this week. Oh, and this is where it is, that Jessica both loves me and likes me. (laughs) (laughs) April 25th. Do you have anything to share between now and then, Jessica? No. So I wrote this while I was at a passage group meeting. Passage. I forgot that that's what they were called, our addiction groups. Yeah. What does that stand for? I don't know. Passage. P-A-S-G. Pornography Addiction Support Group. Passage. That's what those were called. Okay. There you go. I spent a few hours reading a book at Camel's Back Park today. I'm thoroughly enjoying the sun, the moon, and the stars. Life through the eyes of a painter and artist. I love the vivid descriptions and parallels. My favorite line is, I need to quit trying to figure myself out and just paint. I like the concept, however, 
I find that when I just paint, I find myself in places that are not leading me where I'm trying to go. Unfortunately, where I want to go and where I am trying to go are two different places at the moment. This morning, Jessica and I had a very sobering discussion. We talked about the serious possibility that we might be better suited as best friends at this point, still giving each other what we are good at and turning to others for what we can't seem to give each other anymore. I felt such a burden lifting as I left the conversation. I felt peace throughout the day, but felt a dark cloud descending on me as the afternoon rolled on. It makes me sad that I no longer want what I have always wanted, to live the gospel and to be with Jessica. I'm trying to change what it is that I want, but with little effect. I worry so much that I will leave it all just to want it back in a year, five years, or ten years down the road. Even if I can make it back, Jessica won't be there then, and I can't imagine doing this without her. May 17th. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, didn't write real consistently. That's funny. I wrote about that chat we had, too. What's that say? Says Steve and I had another good talk. We've had lots of those lately. Hard, but good. He loves me so much, but is just so overwhelmed and conflicted about things. As am I. I swing from being so determined that we can make this work to thinking he is done and I am done. And I should just run away to Jared. I know he does the same. Wants to run away to a man as well. Yesterday I cried to him. I don't know how things got so messed up. And then your family was coming to town. That you didn't write about, which is shocking to me. How'd it go? Not good. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't go good. Was it possibly so bad that you just didn't want to ever remember it and didn't write it down? If it's the one I'm thinking of, I definitely remember it. What was it, Jess? So I I actually don't go into a ton of it. It just says Steve's parents were here yesterday. Steve's dad made him super upset, and Steve just doesn't want to have anything to do with him. Just doesn't know how to connect with Steve. It is really sad. And then you told me it wasn't going to work, that you were done, that I don't deserve to be put through what you're putting me through. I was devastated that day. Yeah. And also in this time, like that, after things went down with your dad, it says that you went and fooled around with some guy. And then showed up at my house that night and stayed the night. (laughs) I think you slept on the couch actually that night because you were just a mess. Then the next day I said, constantly amazed at our capacity as people slash humans to love. Interesting. So I do just want to clarify something about that day and about that interaction with my dad. He was doing what he thought would be helpful to me. I know that he genuinely thought he was doing the right thing, and I can't fault him for that, but it was not the right thing. It was very much not the right thing, what I needed then. What it, it, and what it did was it communicated to me that if I couldn't make this work, that if I couldn't stay and fix this marriage, and that if I couldn't stay in the church, that I had zero worth and zero future and zero place in his life going forward. So this was another example of somebody so close to you giving you their opinion. Trying to be supportive, offering what they thought was helpful support and love. And just made you angry. And it was, it didn't make me angry. It made me absolutely devastated. It made me, because inside I knew I was not going to be able to make this work. I wasn't ready to accept that and move on from it yet, but that's really what I felt inside, is this is not going to be able to work. 
I'm going to have to accept that I'm gay and that there is a different path for me. And the message that I received from this interaction with him was that when that day comes, I will be worthless. I will have no place in his life. I will have no place in his family. And that was devastating. That was the message I walked away from with that day based on how I saw my future going. And it was it made me spiral down so fast and so hard to such a dark place. But my point is... To a point where you wanted... I wanted to die. (laughs) You wanted to take your own life. Yeah, it made me suicidal. That said, I can't fault him for doing what he thought was right. And I genuinely believe he had no ill intent. He was doing what he thought would be best for me. It was his attempt at being there for me and supporting me and showing love. So is it fair to say that this was something that your dad needed to get off his own chest? I don't think he was doing it for him. I really do think he was doing it for me. Yeah. But I just don't think he could see... He just couldn't see what I needed. And what I needed was to hear that no matter what happens, I support you and I love you and I want you in my life. And what I received was the complete opposite of that message, which is... If you can't do this the right way, then I do not love you and I do not want you in my life and I do not support you and you will have no place with us. That was the message I received. It's not what he said. It's not what he was trying to put out there, but that is what I received in the time and it was hugely crippling for me to think that if I couldn't make this work, that there was no future for me and that I would be left with no family and left with no value in his eyes. But again... You don't fault your dad for that. I don't fault him for that. It was... Not what he intended. Anyway, let's get back to back to the story. I don't really embellish on that. <laughs> uh, and then April 30th, it was a good day. Such an enjoyable day. Steve had a great day and I had a great day. And it made for a wonderful day together. <laughs> you like those details, guys? Yeah. He had a good day. He had a great day. He had a good day. It was a good day. But it goes back to the fact that we we give such detail on the bad. Yeah. yeah. But yet, when it's a good, mm-hmm. we don't give any detail of what the good was. Yeah. And I think part of it is with, like, processing. Because with the good, you're not really, like, having pro- to process. You don't process as you're not much. stuck and having to, yeah. like... Like I you mean, journaling is therapy. Journaling helps you like sort through your thoughts and make sense of things. At least it does for me. And right. Not for others, but so that makes sense. And I think the two that, yeah, exactly like you were just saying, like there's, you know what's good. You know what made you happy more often than you know why you're feeling sad and what's making you sad. And here too, it says we were supposed to go to like Logan together. And I bailed, said, I can't, I need a break. Go so without what was me. In Logan? Your sister. sister. And so you and Penny went and I stayed home and took time for myself, which actually made me pretty proud of us that we were to a point that I could say that and not have it be taken as fallout. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just, this is my boundary. This is what I need right now. And I could actually recognize that. And you being like, that's fine. Stay, take your time. I'll take Penny. And so boundaries the start of putting boundaries in place. (laughs) I mean, we had some, but this was definitely things that happened. Oh, and then May 7th, 
our house, we got an offer on our house, which meant Penny and I had to move. And this is actually a very profound story for me. And I didn't put it in here, but um, so our house was in short sale. We've mentioned that. And Penny and I had been living there for free. And the bank had assigned us- For free because- Because you don't make your payments. Yeah, we had been trying for ages to do something with this house to be able to sell it, but it was worth half of what we had paid. And the bank wouldn't do anything. Yeah, they, they, they literally said, you're current on your payments. What do you want us to do? And I'm like, help us do something before we are no longer able to stay current on our payments. Like- this is this yeah. is a problem for us. And they literally said, as long as you're current, we're not going to do anything. So they told us basically. Yeah, someone literally said, yeah. stop making your payments and call us back in two months. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding? So that's what we did. <laughs> and then there were options for us, which was a short sale. Yeah. So we, um, the bank had assigned us a, a realtor and whatever, and she was the nicest lady. And I have no idea who she was, what her name is, but I love that woman. <laughs> Because like during this time, I really didn't work that much because emotionally I just felt like I couldn't. And I could have if I really had to, but I knew I didn't absolutely have to. And so that was one of my boundaries. Like that was one of the things I recognized I could do for me and take that time for me and for Penny to be able to heal through this process. And I knew that with our house closing I was going to have to start paying rent and we couldn't make that work financially. Like Steve and I couldn't cover that expense. I'd taken a huge pay cut. Yeah. Moving, moving from back. Oklahoma back to Boise. Yes, it was an awesome position and I was able to stay with that company and it was a good transition, but it was a big pay cut. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> praying one night and just being like, all right, Heavenly Father, I know I have to get a job now. Like, help me to be accepting of that and to know what job to take and where I should go. Like just a general, I don't ask for like specifics, but help me feel like I'm doing the right thing. And the next morning I get a call from this realtor and she's like, Jessica, I didn't want to tell you this until I knew it was a hundred percent done. And all I need is your signature. And she's like, the bank is giving you $5,000 when you move out of your house. And I like start crying <laughs> because I knew I could take that, go put it towards my apartment that I was moving into. And I literally took the money and put it straight towards my rent. And I knew I'd be fine for the next however many months that I had that money, probably almost a year. My rent was paid, probably not a year, but like seven, eight months, something. And yeah. And I was so grateful that I could have that taken off my shoulders again and not have to worry about it. So that was a big... It still is incredible that that was part of the short sale program. It was was amazing. Like, to help whoever it is that's short selling their house and trying to get back on their feet, like, here's... And it was their way of saying, I know they gave it to you if you left the house in good condition. Like, that was part of the deal. If you didn't destroy the house, if you didn't vandalize it, because some people got mad and destroyed the house on their way out. This was the time during the recession when everyone, when people were just walking away from their house, ditching it. Yeah, and And I I remember they were taking out stoves, microwaves, doing whatever they could to... To sell off. uh And leaving the rest for the bank, and they had to pick up the pieces. So I'm sure that's where it originated from. Mm -hmm. Not from the kindness of Bank of America's heart. (laughs) No. (laughs) But it worked out. It was such a blessing for me at that time. I was so grateful 
so grateful. And I mean, I lived, and I talk about it in here, I lived on hardly anything. And like when Matt and I got married, I told him, I'm like, I have $12 in my bank account. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what I'm bringing to this marriage. (laughs) But um, yeah, and then I just continue. It's the same. Things are up and down. Worrying about what you might be doing after you leave my house at night. And like things, I, I talk about how I have to just let that go. Like I can't just sit and worry about that and trust that you're going to tell me if there's something that I need to know. I did not remember how much I was messing around. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Because you tried to tell me the other day that I, I remembered, remembered like, more of it. <laughs> I remembered like two instances. Yeah. I journaled about what a do handful you mean, of them. Messing around. Meaning, well, let me read my journal entries. All right. <laughs> read it to us, Steve. Continue, please. All right. May 17. Are you to May 17 yet? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm right around there. Waiting to meet with the bishop and stake president. I'm dreading. Hold on, hold on. Is there anything between now and May 17th that you want to touch on, Jess? No. Okay. I don't think so. Go ahead. Is this going well? I don't know why this episode feels weird to me. Because we don't usually read out of our journals. <laughs> <laughs> I was like all about it for the last three hours when I was marking all of this. And now that we're actually doing it, I don't know. It feels kind of empty. Not sure why. Well, tell, me, tell us this next part. I'm waiting to meet with the bishop and the stake president. I'm dreading it. I've been stressing about it for days. I'm feeling the need to act out more than ever right now. Even though I haven't exactly been on the straight and narrow path for the last week and a half, I've been feeling a constant desire to come back, to stay with Jessica. But in the last hour, I feel the dial shifting. The needle of my compass is turning to a new course. I feel the reality of my gayness. I love that I call it that. (laughs) (laughs) feel the reality of my gayness setting in. I find myself feeling like it's okay to let it in. It's a feeling of acceptance, a burden lifting, a calmness coming over me, that it's okay for me to be gay. It is such a relief, but it is scary. I know it won't last. Soon panic will kick in, panic about leaving Jessica in the church. Then I will turn the dial back again. It will feel right for a moment, but then all the way to the world will begin to build up on me again, on top of me again. I'll get depressed and feel alone. Thoughts of suicide will creep in as I think about how I can't let myself give up, but I feel no hope of changing what I feel. I'll find solace in my misery and self-pity for a time. Then I'll think of Penny and inevitably these words, she's better off with a gay dad than with no dad, will cross my mind and I'll take myself out of, say that weird, but those words will cross my mind and I'll take myself out of suicide, meaning I won't. Pull yeah. myself out of that thought process. Pull those yourself were, out of it. Yes. Those were your words, Jessica. I don't remember at what point you said them, but you said she's better off with a gay dad than with no dad. And you had to convince me of that. Yeah. Which is very true. Yes. It is so true. Some days I can hardly function, and I felt like I couldn't go another minute. Oh, wait. How did I skip that? I thought I was doing better about missing Sebastian for the last couple of weeks, but the past 48 hours have been incredibly hard. I miss his embrace so much. Every time I close my eyes, I'm taken back to his arms. I felt then many of the same feelings of discouragement, conflict, etc. that I feel now. Some days when I could hardly function and felt like I couldn't go on another minute, he would take me in his arms and it would all wash away. Everything was okay in those moments. I long to feel that again. I need it so badly. I need to feel that things will be okay. Do you have anything from May 18th? 
May 18th. Yeah, isn't that the next day after you wrote this? Yes, it is. <laughs> Jessica does. I the way I have more from that night. Okay. So more from the 17th. This is now 7 p.m. Carry on, carry on. To pick up where I left off. Yeah. So, Steve, just so you know, you asked the question, is this good stuff? Uh, like, I'm on the edge of my seat, like, waiting. <laughs> like, I want to. Okay. Well, so then I met with the stake president, and then I said, that that was while I was sitting in the waiting room at the stake center waiting to meet with the stake president. This is after. To pick up where I left off, the stake president told me that I struggle with the same thing every other man on earth does, sexual urges. It doesn't matter what or who I am attracted to, it is the same. Being gay is no excuse to act out or to fail. I still have to man up and quit giving in to my sexual urges. It made me angry. It was hard to hear. I was stressed to the max when I left his office. I wanted more than ever to act out. With one phone call to any number of guys I had been texting, I knew I could have exactly what I wanted that night. See, and I don't know what guys I'd been texting. When I read that, I was like... A lot. How many guys were I texting and who? <laughs> I remember you telling me about that. I knew I would not be strong enough to resist temptation for long, so I did the only thing I could think of that would keep me from acting out. I broke my phone in half. <laughs> what? That's what I have in here. That's sitting, what I was asking. <laughs> sitting in the car outside the stake center, stressing out after talking to the stake president. I just took it in both hands and broke it down the middle into two pieces. Then I went home and continued to beat it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Access to the chat rooms was gone. I don't remember having been in chat rooms during this time. I do now. I didn't. I couldn't act out even if I wanted to now. Oh, I skipped a part. Access to the chat rooms was gone. The phone numbers of those guys were gone. I couldn't act out even if I wanted to now. The urges to act out didn't... I wrote this weird, but the urges to act out weren't gone. But the ability to act on them was. So, that was... It's interesting because I know like some of this you hadn't shared with me yet. I knew stuff was going on because I say in here, I'm feeling a little anxious about Steve right now. I feel like he has something on his mind that he isn't sharing with me and I hope he opens up to me soon. Does it say he's and not responding like, to my texts? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but this is like a common theme throughout our whole marriage and relationship is this feeling, feeling in me of, of knowing something's not right. Okay, I know something's not right. I'm just waiting to know what it is. Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like Roxanne brought that up too. Like you, I think more of us, a lot of us have those intuitive feelings in us and we throw them away because we're told you're crazy. That's not going on. Nothing's happening. But really most of the time, something is wrong. Your gut's, your gut your is gut's right. usually right. If you feel worried and anxious about something and you don't know what or why, a lot Chances of times, are it's something. Something is is wrong, and um, but a lot of times in, in those moments, though, too, we start telling ourselves all of these made up yes theories and lies. Yes, and we it's one extreme or the other of either stop it, you're being obsessive and paranoid. Stop it, everything's fine. Or the other extreme of oh everything's like he's doing the, most, yes. the yeah. most horrible thing he's ever. Murdered is somebody. Yes. Yeah. Chances are, it's something in the middle. <laughs> it's yeah. not nothing, and it's not the worst thing ever, but it is something. Yeah. And then it says he got mad at his phone yesterday and busted it all up. He said he obliterated it. <laughs> I definitely did. And you went and got a phone that didn't have the internet on it. I have a new phone now with no internet, <laughs> no chat rooms, no apps, and no phone numbers. I don't it, think that lasted long. So what kind of phone did you obliterate? It was a flip phone that I got when I moved back. Oh, 
thinking that it would not give me access to things that would be a temptation, but... You found a way. Apparently I had, I had chat rooms on my flip phone. How is that even possible? I don't know. But It got obliterated. That's why it was easy to break in half, I suppose. Okay, it wasn't was like, like an iPhone. That just, <laughs> I was like, whoa. I mean, I'm strong, but... <laughs> I'm getting angry. Okay, do you want to know what else the stake president told me? I yeah. don't know why I didn't write this down, because I'm kind of mortified at it now. But the advice was, just hold on long enough for your sex drive to go away. <laughs> I what? remember you telling me this. I was 30 at the time, and he said, by probably 45, your sex drive will go away, and you won't have these desires anymore. Okay, this is where, like, there's, like, people say stupid things. This was one of them. <laughs> yes. And like, they're trying to be helpful, but really, that's not helpful. And your sex drive isn't going to go away at 45. Hopefully not. Like, and again, he, he was tying this to, you're no different than yes, any other man yeah. who struggles with sexual attraction and sexual desire that could ruin his marriage. Like, just white knuckle it for the next 15 years the way you've been doing for the past 15 years and you'll be fine. Yeah. Oof. Man bad, up. Bad advice. And it is like done with good intention but like so many things are just like oh yeah you hear that what was said it's like oh that's hard that's hard to reconcile okay so i still have more from that same entry three times since moving back to boise i've come super close to giving up and ending things with jessica this weekend it was her who was ready to give up we talked about taking a break we're in the hot tub at the saint george condo she said i don't know why i'm even doing this you don't want me She was referring to the fact that I don't feel sexual attraction to her. This has been the hardest part for her, it seems, is the lack of physical intimacy. I just can't go there. As soon as I do anything that causes me to be around... What am I saying here? I just can't go there. As soon as I do anything that causes me to be aroused, I am overwhelmed by lust and thoughts and memories and desires. It is not a good place, and it does not bring me closer to Jessica. I just can't go there. It worries me that I won't be able to give her what she needs. Yeah. That's it? Yeah? (laughs) I think it's interesting because I bring up in here saying, like, I miss dating these other guys because of this specific aspect. That's the only thing that I was... Physical intimacy? Yeah, is feeling like, okay, can I really live with the fact now that Steve is not attracted to me? And I honestly felt that you know, if we could make this work and maybe you could stop fooling around with other people while we're dating and whatever, that maybe. <laughs> that, that maybe down the line, like things would have, that would have come back some. How important. But I wasn't convinced it would. For both of you, how important is physical intimacy? That was the thing that was surprising to me is I thought we might be okay even if I figured we would still be intimate in ways. It wouldn't be the same but that I would be okay with how things were. And I, I think I realized it was more important to me than, than I had initially realized. Like we would still cuddle. We were still like, you know, we'd hold hands, but it was, it wasn't the same. June 23rd. (laughs) (laughs) A marriage with no sexual attraction is not a marriage at all. According to Jessica. I was surprised to hear that from her tonight. I didn't think our sexual chemistry or lack thereof would be a deal breaker for her. 
In my mind, it wasn't. At least I am trying to get to a point where it isn't. But looking at the facts, I guess it is. I left her for Sebastian because of the sexual chemistry I felt for him immediately. I have never felt that way. The way I did when I woke up in his arms after our first night together. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway. You're right, Steve. This journal has all the answers. I'm telling you, it does. Okay, <laughs> uh... so going back to where we were. My next yeah. entry was June 3rd. I just jumped ahead to answer your question. June 23rd? June no, 3rd. June, June 3rd. 3rd. June 23rd is what I just read, but June 3rd is my next And I'm entry. out of town. Yes. I'm Jessica's in Colorado, in Colorado Springs. Springs for the weekend for Cheryl's baby shower. Yep. Who's Steve texting? <laughs> he is Penny. I have Penny all weekend. It's been fun. She came with me to work on Friday. It was supposed to be for an hour and a half, but it turned into five because everyone loves her, of course, and didn't want her to leave. <laughs> We've been swimming to Camel's Back Park, mountain biking, and to Chuck E. Cheese. It's been fun. You took her mountain biking? In the little trailer. Without a helmet. <laughs> I know. Bad, bad dad decisions. I remember that moment. <laughs> Expound. Yes. What, what do you remember about that moment, Jessica? I remember being mortified that Steve took her mountain biking in a trailer without a helmet. <laughs> Didn't she, she hit was her head? Like two years old. Yeah, I crashed. <laughs> I'm lucky I didn't freaking kill our daughter. Listeners, do not take your two-year-old mountain biking in a bike trailer without a helmet, or at all. In a bike trailer. <laughs> not, not, not a safe thing to do. Huh. She probably had fun until that moment. Yeah. <laughs> we walked out because I was just, like, shaking. Because I could not believe that I had just wrecked my bike and tipped it, and she hit her head or whatever, and I was like, I could have just killed our daughter. I was freaking out. So I just, like, carried her out, pushing my bike. It was stupid. Dude, we've all done stupid yeah. parenting stuff. <laughs> Learn my lesson. <laughs> we've all done that. All right, so June 3rd, 1.25 p.m. <laughs> That's in the afternoon. Most boring Sunday school lesson ever. <laughs> It's been a hard few days. I don't know why I skipped, why I jumped to Spanish right there, but I did. This whole entry goes back and forth from English to Spanish. So let me translate. I felt a temptation several times during this week. I feel so much sadness because I want to have a male companion. I have a female companion. Si lo tengo. <laughs> anyway. Surely this week has been made worse by my actions of the last few days. I have got to get over this. I have got to let go of the idea of having a male companion. I know I will never be happy that way. I won't find what it is that I'm looking for. So why can't I let it go? Why do I still hang on to this possibility? Jessica and Penny and the gospel are everything I need to be happy. Why can't I just accept that? I miss Jessica. I've been very lonely without her companionship. She really is the best person for me out there. I've got to find it within myself to embrace that and be happy with that before I lose her and before I damage her any more than I already have. She deserves someone who values her and who loves her. I need to become that person and soon. He bought me a bike while I was gone. Oh, yeah. Your little yellow cruiser. I really was wanting a bike, and I came home and there was a bike in my living room. Because he felt bad he wrecked his bike. 
<laughs> and Penny wasn't supposed to tell me. <laughs> oh, and she totally did. In She's the car. Like, yeah. What'd she tell you? She said Daddy something like... Daddy got you a bike! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the way home from the airport. I think she might have said, there's a bike in your house or something like that. That was Ooh. funny. So yeah, that was cute. I'm up to June 10. Where are you? That was June 5th that I wrote that you got me the bike while I was gone. <laughs> yeah. Anything you want to share? Don't think so. Got a child seat for my bike so Penny could ride around with me. That was like the most fun Penny and I had. You rode that thing everywhere. We with would her, ride all over town. And I lived up a big hill at this point. Yeah, like at the far end of the north end, and you would ride clear to Ivy Wild. Yeah, Penny and I would ride to the pool it's like, like clear past Broadway. Twice a day. It's we would what, <laughs> six miles one way. We would go like twice a day. It's true. That summer, Penny swam twice a day, like every, every day, day of the entire summer. Plus, we had a pool at the apartment complex, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. But we had so much fun on that bike. So with would you that meet bike your friends seat. at Ivy Wild, or I don't know who we met, you met at your Ivy family Wild. Oftentimes, because yeah, Zach that, and Carly were home that summer. Yeah, they were home that summer. So is that where the tradition of Ivy Wild began? Yeah. Got it. That's kind of where we became lovers of Ivy Wild. I always wondered how that happened. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. It's cheap. Hold on. I'm trying we to did find, a Ragnar I'm during this my, time. I'm trying to find my entry about Ivy Wilds. Oh, well. It'll come back. I don't know when we ran the Ragnar, but we did. Or which one it was. Yeah, that was the one in Utah. We drove down in a minivan full of people. It's so funny to me because I don't Is talk that about... you stayed at Jed and Heather's? No. Oh, that was another time. That was, when that was we after were, you we and with, I were dating. We were with Renee oh. and your friends whose house we couldn't agree on, upon where they lived. That was after no, Matt and right, I were dating. Was, never mind, different Ragnar. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. Okay, June 10, are you there? Yeah, I'm way past that. Well, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would write more. I have a lot going on in my life every day that I really should be recording. I'm realizing what it is that I really am seeking in these men that I'm attracted to. It is, it's an emotional connection and a genuine, genuine appreciation for each other. When I get on these chat video sites, I'm turned off by the guys who just want to get off. I really like to get a peek inside someone's head and find out who they really are. I like to know their stories and I like to know where they come from and I want to find their vulnerable side and connect with them. Anything else? I don't know. I just, it's so like reading through all this, I just was so reminded of what it was that I was longing for was an emotional connection with a man. Like it was easy to find physical connection, still is. <laughs> yeah. It was not easy to find emotional connection. And that's what I was so lacking and so wanting and so just needed. Yeah. Oh, this is funny. <laughs> okay. There's this blog that's gained a lot of momentum and popularity lately. Half a dozen people have oh, forwarded gosh. to Jessica with words of love and support. I haven't read it yet, but she has. It makes her angry. <laughs> she said it cheapens her experiences. Do you remember what blog I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. I don't I know. know. Exactly I don't remember all the details, but it was about, about something of this nature. Of Is the weed. The weed, yeah. Well, you hated it. It makes I her angry. I still do. She said it cheapens her experiences. Not sure just what she means by that. But she has a thing about blogs anyway. They make her bitter. People thinking that they have things figured out enough 
that their ev- <laughs> that their every fleeting thought is worth publishing for the world to see as if an intellectual treasure, kind of like a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It is funny. The irony. You know, that was one of my biggest hesitations in doing this is I'm like, you guys, I don't want to like self-declare that we're experts on anything. No, and no we're way. not. And we're not. And I hope people know that. Like, we're not claiming that we have all our stuff figured out. We're just sharing our experiences. We're, yeah, we're just saying that this is what we've been through and we're in a pretty good place now. And we're not telling you should do anything we've done. Just that no. maybe you can relate to some of the growing pains we've had and some of the struggles and some of the successes. And Well, and I think the whole point is to help people feel like they're not alone and to see that there's joy on the other side. Like you can make it through. You'll be okay. And giving people some hope. Brene Brown has helped me through this because she's good at teaching things that she self-admits is not good at. She's yeah. like, this is something I constantly have to work on. Here's what it is. Yeah. And like, that's how I feel about all this. Like, I'm no expert of anything. That said, my every fleeting thought should be treated as an intellectual treasure. <laughs> 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 Just like that blog. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So why didn't you like the weed? I had a really hard time with it because I felt like it took something so personal to me and belittled it in how they did it. Was it like the story of a wife? A with wife a and husband. Ex husband or something? No, no. No, they were married. Okay. And they stayed married for a long time up until like since Matt and I have been married. And then they came out with like this whole big thing apologizing to the whole gay community that they led on this farce that everything was okay and that that this is how you could make it work and whatever. And even that, tons of people sent me that when it came out. And I was just like... I remember that. Yes. Just like, hey, people, sorry, we were wrong. Yeah. Mixed orientation marriages don't work kind of a thing. Pretty much. But I just... I don't know why I had such a hard time with the way they did it. But there was something... You had that gut feeling that something with the story wasn't right. Yeah, it just didn't seem real to me and I think that's where I had the issues and I didn't get into it that much because the blog post that I read just like instantly like infuriated me and maybe it was just too personal at the time and it's funny because I should have found some comfort in that Mm -hmm. and instead it did the opposite to me so I don't know I don't know I've always had a hard time with that that was a common reaction to a lot of things though when when someone I, I don't know I'm trying to think of some examples but where someone thought they were being helpful and empathetic and it just really pissed you off and made you want to say you don't know what the heck you're talking about you do not understand my situation stop trying to tell me how i should think and feel about this because i am very much the type of person that unless you are very close to me i don't need your opinions about how i'm living my life right i understand that it's coming from a place of concern and i i appreciate that like i recognize that enough to appreciate it and i'm not going to hold it against anybody that they're trying to be supportive and love me. But it's also like, I will share with people close to me that it did not come at me the right way. You know, that I need to let this go. I didn't appreciate this. And it's not that I'm like offended or angry, but it's not my thing. Like I say in here several times too, that people are trying to give me their opinions of Steve and I dating again and all of this stuff. And I'm like, I don't want your opinions, whether it's supportive or not. Because this is my thing. 
that I have to feel what I am feeling and really know what I want in this situation because that's all that matters. And someone who hasn't been through it and hasn't... No. You know, they, they, they don't know uh-uh. what we're going through and what we've been through and where we've been. And I mean, yeah. how can someone it's, offer... It's probably the same feeling that you felt coming out of the stake president's office. Yeah. Of being infuriated. Right. You, you get to tell me that I'm going through the exact same struggles yeah. that you did. And just because your sex drive dropped at 45, that mine is going to. And yeah. it'll make my marriage better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. And so, and you're exactly right. Like, I don't want to come across that we're telling anybody how to live their lives. We want people to understand that you need to know yourself enough to know what is right for you. What is right for you in any given situation? Understand yourself, love yourself enough to know what is right for you. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. We don't, we don't have some agenda here that we're trying to push. And the further we get into this podcast, the more that I realize very personally that that's my, the case for me is I don't, I don't want to be telling anyone what they should be doing with their life. uh -uh. I just want to tell people that what you feel you should be doing with your life is what you should do. Yeah. That thing that you feel, do it. (laughs) But don't be a dick. Yeah. You don't want (laughs) to, you're trying not to do damage. You're trying to understand other people. And we're not saying just be selfish, but... but... Be selfish in the way that what your heart tells you is right for you should be the thing you do, not what someone else tells you is right for you. And that's what it came down to through all of this is that no matter how hard it was for both of us to try this again, we both felt we needed to do it. Yeah. And it didn't work. (laughs) But we have no questions now. Why didn't it work? Well, let me read you my next 18 journal entries. <laughs> I think we're a little far into it for that. This but, would probably be a good stopping point for okay. an episode anyway. Yeah. yeah. So we'll pick back up on this next episode. Hey, everyone. For the takeaway this week, we just wanted to really let you guys know that it is so important to love yourselves. We change. Our bodies change. Things change. And so we got to learn to love ourselves in a new way, no matter what phase of life. And don't let anybody tell you where you should be at or what you should be doing. You pay attention to what feels right for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go share it on social media. Take a screenshot, tag husband-in-law. And if you have a question, go to Apple Podcasts and put a rating and review and write the question in the review. We will be sure to answer it for you. 